0: Welcome to AJHP Voices, now comprising
1: interviews on contemporary pharmacy issues and discussions with AJHP authors. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. Hello, this is William Zellmer for AJHP Voices, speaking with authors of three chapters in the 2016 edition of the Pharmacy Forecast Report published by the ASHB Foundation. This report predicts five-year trends that are likely to have a major impact on health system pharmacy practice, and it offers strategic recommendations to practitioners on how to get in front of those trends. With me are Pamela Phelps, Director, Clinical Pharmacy Services at Fairview Health Services in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Pamela wrote the chapter as a co-author on drug development and therapeutics. Cynthia Williams, Vice President, Chief Pharmacy Officer at Riverside Health System, Newport News, Virginia, wrote the chapter on pharmacy workforce. In addition to facilitating the discussion, I will comment on the chapter I wrote on ethics. Pamela, as a co-author of the chapter in the Pharmacy Forecast Report on Drug Development and Therapeutics, what would you say is the most important trend prediction by the forecast panel related to this area?
0: I think it's the increase in the FDA approval of specialty medications to treat chronic conditions like Crohn's disease, multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, and cancer. These approvals are predicted to jump by 67% by the end of 2015. And all of our forecast panelists predicted that these new biologic products would replace up to 25% of chronic care medications for the treatment of just common disorders over the next five years. Now, this could lead to a lot of uncertainties, because we don't know yet what kind of outcomes we're going to have to collect, what kind of post-marketing surveillance we may have to do, and how criteria for use will be selected for these newer products. So I think pharmacists will be essential to updating policies and guidelines within the therapeutic area as data on efficacy and safety start to emerge for us.
1: Mm-hmm. Cindy, uh, your chapter had to do with the pharmacy workforce. What would you say uh, are the most important trend predictions by the forecast panel related to that area?
2: In looking at the uh, forecast panelist response, the most important trend that I identified was the shift in emphasis from inpatient to outpatient or ambulatory care in response to healthcare reform and the impact that that shift is going to have on the pharmacy workforce. In fact, four of the eight survey questions were related to this topic with 65% or greater of respondents indicating somewhat likely or very likely that this challenge will exist uh, related to that shift in patient volume.
1: Well, let me comment a little bit on the uh, ethics chapter that I wrote. I think there are four sort of overriding themes uh, within this chapter. Overall, one has to do with uh, ethical challenges relating to the consolidation in healthcare among payers, among providers. Secondly, the growing weight of the business or financial imperative in healthcare. care. Third, the tension between population health and individual health care and the ethical challenges that that is uh, presenting. And then fourth, has to do with the pricing of some of the newer pharmaceuticals that are hitting the marketplace. In terms of uh, what the forecast panel had to say, they predicted that the number of ethical dilemmas experienced by healthcare professionals and health systems is going to increase quite substantially over the next five years or so. They also predicted that a good number of health systems will probably have worked out uh, processes in advance of experiencing shortages, such as drug shortages, that take into account the ethical facets of that situation. And then finally, there will be a few health systems out there that are beginning to look at this tension between population health and individual patient care, and will probably be formally assessing how population health programs are affecting individual patient care. Well, with that having been said, let's turn now to recommendations in our respective chapters. Pamela, given what you said about the most important prediction in your domain, how should pharmacy practice leaders take this into account in planning for the next several years?
0: Well, Bill, I think we really need to evaluate the implications of these new specialty biologic medications, especially for either chronic conditions or for rare diseases. We have to expand our capacity to manage all of these medications to promote safe use and to optimize outcomes. And what this might lead to is more value-based formularies, um, more outcomes analysis to justify the extreme expense of some of these medications, and perhaps even stricter criteria for initiation of therapy beyond just the prior authorization.
1: Cindy, uh, turning now to the pharmacy workforce again, uh, what can you say about the implications of the predictions in,
0: in this area?
2: Well, I think as we look at shifting our workforce from the inpatient to the ambulatory side, first and foremost, there's going to need to be the development of our staff in these new competencies, whether that be pharmacists, residents, students, or technicians, and I think this is really going to lead to a shift in in the focus of some of our programs, such as our residency programs. As an example, a traditional inpatient residency program may have had limited exposure to uh, ambulatory care or outpatient uh, Team based care, but that's going to change as we're looking at the movement of workforce from the inpatient to outpatient. You know, the other area that this will lead to is the need to develop a specific plan for pharmacist credentialing and privileging, as well as advocacy work at the state and local level as pharmacist capacity is expanded and what they're able to do under their licensure status. Uh, Additionally, as we're growing uh, this service line, I think there's always the question from senior leadership about how are we going to pay for this new service model, and so I think looking at payment models to support as well as productivity metrics to measure the effectiveness of these new models is going to be critical. Well,
1: in the ethics domain, the recommendations that this chapter lays out have to do, first of all, with really paying more attention to ethical issues in health system pharmacy practice. And as the author of this chapter, I recommended that uh, pharmacy practice leaders designate a small team of pharmacists to take the lead in studying emerging ethical issues, uh, to raise the profile of these issues among pharmacy staff, and to represent the pharmacist's perspective on system-wide deliberations and policy development on ethical issues. For example, if there's an ethics committee in the health system, trying to move toward a point where pharmacists are represented on that committee. With respect to uh, the challenges faced in health system practice today about rising prices of medicines, one recommendation is to foster discussion at the executive and governance levels of your health system of any pricing of medicines that seems to be out of line with patient benefits and perhaps there's some value in bringing this information to public attention trusting that sunshine and shaming can lead to change and finally um, a recommendation is to have each of us encourage pharmacy organizations to give more attention To issues related to ethics and professional autonomy, including joint consideration of these topics with other health professional associations. Pamela, I want to come back to you. Do do you see any interconnections among the predictions and recommendations in these three domains that we're discussing today?
0: I certainly do, Bill. Um, When I talk about the specialty biologics, a lot of times these newer Uh, more expensive agents are going to be given by oral route instead of IV route and therefore that dovetails right into the conversation about moving our business to the outpatient or ambulatory sector. In addition, these are some of our most expensive agents and um, the ethics conversation certainly dovetails right into that. Deciding who's going to get what therapy is going to be a very big question mark and we'll certainly have to have an ethical consideration when making these criteria for use for these very expensive products.
1: Cindy, what would you say, thinking of uh, this now through the lens of the author of the pharmacy workforce chapter, uh, but also reflecting a bit on some interconnections between uh, your chapter and the other two we're discussing?
2: Yeah, Bill, and I think a couple of things. uh, As we talk about workforce development and the education and competency of our team, to Pamela's point as we have more and more specialty agents Pharmacists that are practicing in the ambulatory care setting are going to be involved, whether it's in oral, oncolytics, or other specialty therapies, in working with patients, not only around adherence, but as part of the appropriateness of therapy uh, as we look to make sure that we're treating patients uh, in the most cost-effective manner. I also think on the ethics side, there is a huge role that pharmacy can play in the area of advanced care planning specifically in the appropriateness of the use of high-cost medications at the end of life. In our organization, and I think we're going to see this more and more, advanced care planning conversations are starting in our uh, patient-centered medical homes, our primary care settings, and having pharmacists on those teams trained and engaged in those conversations from the beginning will be beneficial to the organization as we face some of these ethical issues around the high cost of therapy, especially at the end of life.
1: It strikes me that as we reflect on the points the two of you are highlighting, and we also think about uh, the ethics domain, that all of these areas, all of these issues, all of these emerging trends are not matters that pharmacy can handle alone, but it really needs to be in discussion uh, interprofessionally within health systems to try to work out uh, the best approach toward addressing these issues. So that would be what I would add to this particular conversation. Let's think for a moment about the fact that the ASHB Foundation's Pharmacy Forecast Report is now in its fourth edition. And I'd appreciate, uh, Pamela, any perspectives you have on the report's value in strategic planning by health system pharmacy departments.
0: Well, Bill, I've been fortunate enough to participate with several of those editions. And I think that when it was first new, the pharmacy forecast, folks were unsure what to do with it exactly. I would say now that it's really maturing into a must-see document annually for our health system pharmacy departments. And I see that by the attendance at the ASHP mid-year session regarding the, the unveiling of the new phar- pharmacy forecast is completely full and, in fact, filling up an over session as well. And so I'm seeing it maturing into this very vital resource for health system pharmacy departments and know that our department certainly would not do Strategic planning without having the pharmacy forecast report in our hands. Cindy, anything to add?
2: Uh, And I would say, uh, in addition to what Pam has already stated, in Virginia, where I'm located, we're starting to see this used uh, with the local affiliates in having conversations around how, as a state level, we can use this report in advocacy issues with the board and other organizations. Within my own organization, I also use it in conversations with the C-suite at the corporate level to educate them on not only the trends that pharmacy leaders are seeing through this forecast tools, but the vital role that pharmacy plays as healthcare reform continues.
1: I guess I would add to what the two of you have said, is that uh, I see many pharmacy residency programs uh, throughout the country, both PGY-1 and PGY-2, uh, using the report to stimulate discussion, stimulate thinking about what future pharmacy practice leaders are going to be facing. And also, very interestingly, in schools of pharmacy, many faculty members are using the report to stimulate discussion among students to get them to think beyond uh, their immediate curriculum about uh, things that are happening in the broader world, things that they'll be dealing with as they move into pharmacy practice. This has been a discussion on three of the chapters in the 2016 edition of the Pharmacy Forecast Report published by the ASHP Foundation. With me have been Pamela Phelps of Fairview Health Services in Minneapolis and Cynthia Williams of Riverside Health System in Newport News, Virginia. The Pharmacy Forecast Report, which is an environmental scan for use in strategic planning by health system pharmacy departments, is freely accessible on the web at ashpfoundation.org. This is William Zelmer. Thank you for listening.
0: That concludes this
1: interview. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org.